Hi, this is Pastor JC. I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast here at Faith Outreach Church. We want to invite you anytime you're in the area to come by and visit us at 3001 Wallace Avenue here in Terre Haute, Indiana. Sit back and enjoy today's message. Jesus, and we thank you for your word tonight. I ask you to think through my mind, speak through my lips. I believe I speak as the oracle of God. I lean way back on you, Holy Ghost. You're the great teacher. I ask you to teach through me. I ask you to minister through me and for every person in this room. I believe the eyes of their understanding are enlightened that they would know the hope of Jesus' calling so they can find their place in you. And Lord, I'm just asking you tonight that you would do what your word says. I will preach your word and you'll work with me confirming your word with signs following. I thank you, Father, that a demonstration of what I minister hallelujah a demonstration of what what you put on my heart to minister will come forth in this place and our lives will be changed because of it hallelujah thank you lord jesus amen amen you can have a seat glory to god well it's good to be with you um we do have a couple books out there i'm working on another one um the lord always gives me books to write that i mean i think other people should do uh, but uh, he never lets me write a book on faith or the authority of the believer or how to be led those are the things that I normally do so I got one out there called no longer shackled uh, because I walked through that one and so I guess I can tell somebody how to get free and stay free uh, number two no longer condemned um, I guess I walked through that one and so I can uh, help people with that the, the one I'm doing working on now my staff and I are working on it's called uh, um, uh, by, gra- uh, by grace through faith. And so I think there's a lot out there, but um, I'm going to teach it the way the Lord told me to teach it. And then uh, hopefully next time or the next time or whenever, Pastor Rhonda should have a book coming. Yeah. Call it forth. Hallelujah. Um, and so that's what's going on. Um, I don't know, even know how much they are. So whatever they are out there, whatever they are, how much are they? Ten bu- 100 bucks a piece. Hallelujah. Um, or if you can't, uh, you don't have it, just tell Julie or whoever's working the table and you can take it. Hallelujah. Just give what you can. Hallelujah. Because uh, if you really need it, I want you to have it. We also have uh, all of our stuff in Espanol. And so uh, we do a lot of ministry in the nation of Chile uh, and different places like that. So everything we do, we do in Spanish as well. Um, so glory to God. I'm excited to be here. Some of you, most of you know me by now, but I did um, come to this church, Faith Outreach. It was called Faith Outreach Fellowship back then. Um, it was after I graduated from Rama in 1990 uh, when John and Michelle Grinwell were the pastors here. Um, I was an itinerant out of this church. Uh, well, I first came to this church right out of Rama. Then I went to Paris, uh, Illinois, to my home church where I was a youth pastor for a little bit. And then um, let's just say some things happened over yonder. And then I came back here and uh, traveled out of this church. This is where I itinerated out of uh, for the time that I was here. So this place uh, has many um, fond memories for me of learning some things, the things of the Spirit of God. Um, when I started itinerating, um, I didn't know a whole lot. And so I'd come in, like I'd go out on the weekends. And then, um, because back then, Thursday night was uh, midweek service here. And so by the time I drove, from my house in Illinois to here. I had like 10 or so questions that I needed somebody to answer for me. So I learned how to pull. And so uh, John and Michelle would always get off on Thursday nights and uh, they would go at Avenue and I would like, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
All right, thank you. And then I made a mistake. I got up and taught the church how to do it. And then my answers weren't as many. Hallelujah. Because everybody was asking for stuff. So I wish I'd never taught that. But anyway, um, but I am grateful to be here. Uh, then in 1993, um, I started uh, Cornerstone Word of Life in Madison, Alabama. Most of you know this, but I thought the Lord was punishing me. I thought I did something wrong because I only wanted to live in Indiana and Illinois. Um, but he wasn't punishing me. Um, we have a great work down there, and I'm forever, I'm forever grateful. Then uh, Pastor Ron and I got married in 1995, and we're just trying to keep up. So the Lord's doing some great things, and it's an honor to be here. So uh, about three months ago, I married this uh, young couple. I performed this ceremony and uh, the Lord spoke uh, through me and I think I've done a lot of wedding ceremonies but I think I can only count three that I gave a prophetic utterance in the middle of it. Um, uh, Normally when I give utterances they're with tongues and interpretation. That's just the way the Lord uses me but I don't think I gave a tongue on that one. Um, I have, I think I have before Um, and I, you know, wedding, whatever. If you get me, you're going to get all of me and so uh, you might get something at a funeral with me. I don't know. So, uh, so it's just the way it is. Um, I've learned to work with the Holy Ghost. Um, I, he, I know him. I follow him. And if he's not leading, there's nowhere for me to go. So I appreciate him. And so three months ago, whenever that was, we, we had a great time. And I'd like to hear that song you did again at the um, at the. The reception, that was good. And, um, and so they're all good, but probably not church. But anyway, um, um, let, me get, let me say it this way. So I remember what I ministered to you, and I had no intention of talking about it again, except I couldn't sleep last night. So um, I, the word restoration is very strong, and I know the Lord spoke to you about restoration, that you begin to carry that in a very strong way. And so I want to teach it out to you. So this is really for everybody because the word's for everybody. But this church, uh, you need to really pay attention because um, there's a mandate that I believe I'm going to be ministering to you from the word of God. Um, And um, uh, I didn't talk to them too much. We started to talk a little bit up there. I almost left because I I don't know what they've been teaching. I don't know what they've been talking about. But I know this is really strong in my heart. And so it's for everybody of this church, but it's also for everyone in the body of Christ. God is a restorer. He's all about restoration. Amen. And with that uh, restoration, there are some things in the word of God we can see. But even, um, and I wasn't here and I don't know this, um, but there's also some particular things about the foundation of this church, which I really don't know much about. But there's things that, um, that were on the people's heart that started this that maybe have been veered away from that I don't know but how, but by the Holy Ghost, they're going to be gotten back to, maybe not even on purpose to just by leading, but it was part of the original intent. And so um, I'm just going to talk to you about what the Spirit of the Lord gave me. So... Um, Everybody say restoration. So that's what the Lord wants to talk to you about. And, um, you know, every one of us have been restored. Now, when it comes to, you know, Pastor Rhonda was talking to you today about we are a three-part being, God is Father, Son, Holy Ghost. We are spirit, soul, and body. Now, we, our spirit didn't get restored. In other words, we didn't get a makeover. We got a brand new spirit, right? 
right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, we are now new creatures, right? The old's passed away. Everybody shout, I am a new creature, a new creation in Christ Jesus. So you really weren't restored there, but you were born again. You were made anew. But I do want to talk about that, starting with that. But in, in, when you got born again, restoration did happen, though, with humanity and God. What was restored? Well, before, in the Old Covenant, um, everybody didn't have the opportunity to fellowship with God anymore, like he did in that with Adam and Eve. Remember, which is one of the favorite things I love. I don't get to hear her often preach because usually unless she's preaching on Sunday morning, which she hasn't for a while, um, we, um, we, <laughs> we, uh, I don't, I, but I love that message and I've heard it all over the world when she goes because that's one of the subjects that the Lord has her minister on in our church, the redemption of what God did. But God created us for fellowship and it was broken. And even the, the king, the priest, and the prophet, for the most part, didn't have fellowship. There was a few. Moses, you know, friends of God, Abram. Abraham was a friend, but there was only a few. Uh, you know, few, Noah walked with God. Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more. I remember one time the Lord just said, won't you just walk with me? Just walk with me. Fellowship. He likes to take a walk. You know, you all, I grew up in a Methodist church. Y'all, some of you may remember, you know, I, I come to the garden alone. But the Lord really loves that. He really does. But that was broken. And because of Jesus, it's restored. You can have fellowship with the Father as much as you want. You can talk to him as much as you want. You know, while she was ministering today, you know, um, I, when I preach, I tell it myself a lot. You know, I wish I didn't have as much to tell sometimes. But, um, you know, the Lord just dealt with me. He's like, um, he, he, I used to, I want to get back. He is this. I want to get back to Jesus being my best friend. I just used to walk with him and talk with him. Talk to him about everything. I talked to him about my day. Talked to him about what I liked, what I didn't like. He would give me advice on this. You, you, you can really have a real relationship with the Lord. And you don't even have to talk in King James. Right? You just talk to him. And he knows what you're thinking anyway. Just share with him. But fellowship was restored. I mean, so much was restored because of our, the new birth. Our dominion has been restored. Right? We are, we are supposed to be ruling and reigning in this life by one Jesus Christ. Dominion was lost, but because of restoration, because of Jesus, we got our dominion back. Amen. We need to use it. We got our health back. Come on, Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, there was no sickness. There was no disease. It was just as good as heaven. And you know what? God brought it back. Well, I'm sick. Well, you don't have to be. Because Jesus took stripes on his back so that you could be healed. Your health has been restored. You are to walk in divine health all the days of your life. And then you're to pull up your toes, say, I'm going to beat Jesus and get out of here. You don't have to die with sickness and disease. I know that's what most people think, but you don't have to. Because Jesus restored divine health to us. Restoration. Restoration. What does it mean to restore? To put it back the way it was. 
Come on, I love, uh, like, because I can't do it, but I love especially, and you can't watch a whole lot on TV, but you can sometimes watch HGTV, where, or the car shows, the car shows are cool too, where they take something old, and it's messed up, and they restore it back to its original state. That's what God did with us. You have been restored. You have been brought back to your original state. I mean, he's brought us back to a place of restoration where we can live free from sin. He's brought us back from a place of poverty to wealth. Restoration has happened. And then, you know, the rest of you, your soul. Uh, the Bible says in Psalms 23 that he restores my soul. What is your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotion. God is a restorer. So he, did, he could have stopped at our spirit and got us born again and say, well, there you go. I'll wait for you till you get to heaven where everything's going to be all right. But he fixed it right now so you could have heaven on earth. He is a restorer of all things. And he wants restored. He wants heaven restored to the earth. And he wants your life to be like heaven on earth. But it can't until you let him restore you. So you got to get restored in your mind. How do you restore your mind? Romans 12, 1 and 2. That you renew your mind. How many of you know the Bible says you have the mind of Christ? I believe that's a positional truth. You have to renew your mind to get it renewed, but positionally, you have the mind of Christ. You can think the thoughts of God, you can, and his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, but you can have them because they live in you, because he lives in you. You have the mind of Christ. And then, you, then your part is to renew your mind so you can think like him because currently we think, you know, if you don't get it renewed, you're going to still think like the world. Your soul needs to be restored. He is the healer. I love this one. He's the mender of a broken heart. Luke chapter 4 verse 18 says, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. I remember when I first came among, uh, you know, got filled with the Holy Ghost growing up in a denomination. I have heard people say at that time, well, the Lord is... Uh, healing your my spirit's wounded I need my spirit healed well there's nothing wrong with your spirit because it's created in the likeness and the image of God you do not need your spirit healed you don't got to go through no spiritual healing hallelujah no no matter what Marvin says you don't got to Hallelujah. Some of you don't know. Anyway, uh, but, but you have to you have to get your soul healed. Life will damage your emotions. But Jesus is the mender of a broken heart. Yes. Talking about restoration. God wants to do it for you. So, so your spirit was born again, but he restored all those things back to you. Your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, those things are to be restored. And then, of course, your body. Uh, even when Jesus was on the earth, you remember the man with the withered hand? He told him to stretch forth your hand. And I like the King James Version. It says, and it was restored. And it was restored. There was a blind man that uh, Jesus anointed him. And, and you remember it's the one where he, he laid hands on him once. And then he saw a man in the street walking. And then he uh, did it again. And then the Bible says his eyesight was restored. So healing is restoration. Jesus is the restorer. Jesus is the healer. If you got any sickness or disease in your body, you might as well let the Lord restore it tonight. You might as well believe for him to let him restore that in you because your body can function at the level that it was intended to because of God's word, because of your belief in the word of God, and, you can, and he wants to restore you. Just think about it. He could have just said, let's get him born again and get him up here to heaven, and then we'll take good care of him. 
But that's not what he did. He said, let's restore things. Come on, as a picture of who God is, God is a restorer. Jesus is the mender of a broken heart. He wants you uh, you're saved, but he wants to restore your soul. He wants to restore your body, all right? So that's, that, that's important to know. And so we ought to be about that. And um, what happens in life sometimes is this, that uh, you don't have, you know, stuff happens. There is an enemy, Right? And in order the Lord talk about restoration, that means something was stolen from you. Something was taken from you. Right? We've all experienced that. Tragedies. Emotions that go with it. Um, but God can deliver us out of those. And no matter what happens, if we'll keep trusting God, if we'll keep obeying God, then he can work some things out. But it comes in the way of restoration. So I want to look at some scripture. John, uh, I mean, Joel, Joel, chapter 2. Familiar scripture probably to a lot of you in the room, but just in case it's not. Joel, chapter 2, verse 25. Joel, chapter 2, verse 25. It said, I will, everybody say restore. To you the, how's he going to do that? How's he going to restore years? In other words, I got about three of them this last year. I, I got three I currently want back. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he said he would. Uh, we dealt with something in our church one time where this lady, um, we thought we were helping. She was trying to destroy us instead. But anyway, uh, and we spent a lot of years, but I expect them all back. I will restore to you the years. How does he do that? I don't have to know now. How? I just know that he does. He said that he would restore years. He would restore years. Things that have gone on even for years in your life that you didn't get where you needed to go. It didn't happen when you thought it ought to happen. You had a dream. You had a vision. You had something, and it just seemed to get delayed. Uh, um, the devil maybe got in there. Remember, even um, uh, maybe touch on this week uh, later, but you know, even the apostle Paul one, one time said in one place, he was trying to get to a church, and it said that Satan prevented him. So, you know, if that happened with him, that could happen to us. But on the other side, we always get the victory because God said he would restore. He would restore what? Anything, the locust, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, all, that, all them worms. So that tells me anything that the devil is a worm. He's a, big, he's a big worm. He's a snake. Just to throw something in at you. You know, people ask all the time, why did, the Lord put, why did God put the devil in the garden? Well, so that, that could happen. Well, the Bible said that he gave Adam and Eve dominion over everything that creeped on the ground. So the devil's a creep. And so he, they had authority over the devil. Even back then, they just didn't exercise it. I heard her voice, so I'll tell you this. We first got married, you know. We're pretty serious spiritual people, you know. We were talking along these lines. Um, and uh, she said to me, she said, Adam, just call me Adam. Be careful what you let in our garden. And the Holy Ghost helped me. I call him, the, I think it was the Holy Ghost. I said, Eve. 
if I let one by, just don't talk to it. Mm -mm. So that's good advice for Adam and Eve in the room. Amen. But he had dominion. But it doesn't matter what the devil does, God will restore. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody say restoration. restoration. This church will be known for a church of restoration. This place will be known where people can come and be restored. It'll be a place where the new birth happens on a regular basis. People will be filled with the Holy Ghost on a very regular basis. Hallelujah. Their, their bodies will be restored. Everything you all know and believe for, but it's encapsulated in the word restoration. And I believe it's the Holy Ghost word for you all, for this church, and for this region. God is about to restore some things that have been, the devil has stolen for years. For years. There's a lot of times in our life where we think we ought to be further along. Because the dream God gave us was so big, but then we encountered life, we encountered loss, we encountered this, we encountered this obstacle. But I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost from the office that I stand in that God is about to do some great things in your midst, but he needs you to believe with him. He needs you to accept the challenge tonight and believe that God is using this church and the people of this church, not just the pastors, the people of this church in the restoration process for this area, for this region. Hallelujah. God is going to use, you're going to see restoration. You're going to see restoration. You're going to see restoration. And whatever years that looks like, whatever the devil's stolen from you, God's going to get it back to you. God's going to get it back to you. Hallelujah. I like this one, Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. Talking about restoration says Proverbs chapter 6, verses uh, 30 and 31. It says, uh, well, that's not it. I'll just tell you what it says. Oh, there it is. You got it, but how come I can't get it? All right. Oh, it's, I was in seven. Hallelujah. There it is. I'll just read it off the screen. Men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his soul when he's hungry. 31, you know this. But if he's found, the thief is found, what happened? Now, I know, you know, in our circle, we get all excited about that, but that's sevenfold. But I'll tell you this, Isaiah says that the very least the devil has to give you back is double. He'll restore double. What about Job? What about Job? What, what were we supposed to get from Job? Were you supposed to, what were you supposed to get out of the book of Job? James tells you the way to get out of the book of Job. He said that God is merciful and kind and that God restored him. You know, a lot of times people get all worked up about Job, thinking that was the 20-year thing. That was an, uh, most scholars believe that was nine months. Yes. Yes. Well, I think we've endured nine, more than nine months. We got th- we've had about three years of mess. So listen, if the Lord can do that for a non-covenant man, if the Lord can do that for a non-covenant man, not he didn't have a covenant. He didn't even have a covenant, and God did it for him. How much more will God do it for you because you're in a covenant with the Most High, the Most Holy. You're in a covenant because of Jesus Christ. And so if he did that for Job and gave him double, how much more is he going to give you? So at the very least, the, the devil, when, when the, you, you and I got to get some strength about ourselves. We got to get some, some mm in us about when the devil stole from us, we're getting it back. And, and you know what? Because what you got to do is I'm going to get it back, but I'm going to get it back more. So you quit messing with me because you're going to learn every time you mess with me, I'm going to get double for my trouble. 
I'm going to get double for my trouble. I'm going to get, because you see, come on, y'all, we're strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And you may feel like you, you're knocked down a little bit. You know, when I was growing up, some of you are too young for this, but here's this thing called a weeble. Weebles wobble, but we won't fall down. You know, the devil think he has you out, but you better get yourself back up. You better get yourself back up with the word of God. I'm strong in the Lord, the power of his might. I believe in restoration and the Lord's restoring me. And whatever he stole from me, amen, I'm receiving double for my trouble. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Double for my trouble. Double for my trouble. Um, so the Lord always restores. He's a restorer. Everybody say Restoration. Well, one of the things that Jesus came preaching in Luke chapter 4, verse 19, the King James says in verse 19, it says the acceptable year of the Lord. But most of you know, that's the same word as jubilee. The only thing I knew about jubilee was my mama used to make me watch these singers on TV and they had the gospel jubilee. And I didn't like it back then, but, but that's the only thing I knew about a jubilee. But when I start studying the acceptable year of the Lord, you can find this in Leviticus chapter 25. We're not going to take time to go back and look at it. But what was that? Every 50 years, they would sh- a trumpet would sound and they'd begin to yell, Jubilee! Jubilee! What does that mean? Everything that I had lost in that 50 years, I could go get it back. In other words, you living in my house, pack up and get out. Those are my children. I want them back. Whatever it was that was taken from them, whether they lost it by their own accord, it was taken from them, all they had to shout was jubilee. And that's what Jesus said, I've come to preach you. This is the acceptable day. This now, hereafter forever, is jubilee. No, hereafter forever is jubilee. But you see, it's not going to just happen for you. You're the one that has to say it's Jubilee. You're half the one that says this is the acceptable year of the Lord. And the Lord is a restorer. The Lord is bringing back to me what was taken from me. The Lord is restoring things to me. Amen. He can restore because that's who he is. That's what he does. Y'all with me? Restoration. Restoration. There's an anointing on this church. There's an anointing on you. There's an anointing on them. But there's an anointing for restoration. He said the spirit of the, it's, it's not just a thing. It's also there's an anointing that goes with it. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because he's caused me, yes, to preach to the poor. Yes, to open their eyes so they can see the word of God. Yes, Jesus was anointed to heal. But he was anointed everywhere he went to undo what the devil did and bring jubilee. Amen. Come on, it's your jubilee time. Let's live there. Let's live at a place of restoration. There's a lot of people who need to be restored that the devil has, they don't even know it's the devil. They've been taught stupid things like God did that to teach them a lesson. They, they, they don't even know. They don't even know. But it's up to us to bring the truth that it is God that restores and he wants to restore them right now. He wants to restore them, you know, fix, get them born again and restore the, all those things I talked about in their, their spirit, their soul, in their body, but he's he's God's wanting to use you as a group, as a church, to bring restoration to this area. Area, amen. Everybody shout jubilee. It is the acceptable year of the Lord right now. Right now. We're not waiting on God. Quit waiting on God. I mean, wait on God in his presence, but quit waiting on him to do something. Just cooperate with him. 
It is Jubilee right now. Well, you know, we, we make excuses all the time of this is why it's thus and so. This is why it's thus and so. No, get rid of your excuses. The Lord said it's Jubilee. That means it's Jubilee right now. And Jubilee starts when you believe it starts with you. And I proclaim to you that Jubilee is on this church. Jubilee is in this place. Hallelujah. I know for our church a number of years ago, um, uh, we proclaimed double Jubilee. It didn't come out of my head. It came out of my heart. And I'm just watching God do stuff. But I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Hallelujah. So what is God doing? He's restoring. He's reconstituting people to health. Um, uh, he's putting things back to their original state. So what does this look like? What does God want you to do with people? Because you, in this room tonight, I believe if you're sick, God wants to restore your body. If you're away from God, you've had something going on. Um, I believe that the Lord can mend your broken heart. I believe the, I carry an anointing for that. Now, we don't do silly stuff. I'm not going to, you know, have a counseling session with you and regress you back to your childhood. That's just a bunch of baloney. But I believe the anointing, can minister, like it can minister to a body, can minister to your soul. Now, you have to renew yourself with the word of God. You have to follow with God, on with God, and you, and you have to let him mend that. Right? Hallelujah. All right, and, um, but what does it look like? What does it look like? What does it look like when you all and I, because we're all doing this, I believe it's for all of us, but what does it look like? Well, this is what's going to happen. Um, the Lord showed us how to uh, restore people. Um, Peter, I love Peter. I bet Peter's going to get us all us preachers up there when we all get to heaven. And he's going to sit us down in a class. And he's going to say, now tell me one of you that would have done it better. <laughs> Y'all talked about me. But I'm so grateful for Peter because we got to know some things we wouldn't have known. Because he, he talked up, you know. But how many of you remember, remember this? That uh, right before Jesus went to the cross, he had a warning for Peter. He really had a word of wisdom for him. Words of wisdom is telling something about the future that is about to happen. And with that word, you get to decide what's going to happen. Remember, he said, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter did what? Full of pride. All these may deny you. But not me, Lord. I'm with you to the end. Brothers to the end. So that pride, the same one where, you know, he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus was like, "Woo! you got that from the father. I got to go to the cross, though. No, you ain't going. I'm not going to let you go. Get behind me, Satan. So Peter had some issues. He knew some stuff. He was spiritually very aware, more aware than maybe most, because the father revealed that to him. He had a revelation. Uh, he was Jesus, one of his three closest, Peter, James, and John. Took him everywhere. Right? So Jesus really liked him. Even though he talked out of turn and said some things he shouldn't. Praise God for that. Hallelujah. But you don't remember what happened. Cock-a-doodle-doo. I don't know him. You sound like him. 
I don't know him. Some little girl. I know. I saw you with him. Cuss, cuss. I've never seen him before in my life. What did he do? Then the Bible says he wept bitterly. And if you really get the context of that, this is a man who is so messed up, so grieved by what he's just done, so mad at himself that he didn't take the warning, so angry. And so then, you know, Jesus was raised from the dead. And uh, Peter's such a leader. There's some leaders in this room. Let's get to leading. But Peter, he was a leader, and he was going the wrong direction. What did he say? He's like, I'm going back to where I came from. Let's go fishing. He didn't say let's grab a, a pole and a worm and go down and casually fish. He's like, I, what he said, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to my business that I left. I'm going back to the way it was before Jesus interrupted my life. I'm done. That's what he was saying. I'm done. I messed up. I'm done. He's in a bad place. It just reminded me of God came. Because now Jesus is raised up from the dead. He's all God again. He's sitting there. And I love the Lord. I love his, I love, the, there's the honorary side of him that I just enjoy so much. Uh, I have that too. I believe he gave it to me. Hallelujah. Um, um, but, but he's up there cooking fish. I don't know where he got those fish. But he's cooking some fish and he yells out, did you catch anything? And he knows they didn't. Right? He came. And Peter not only was messing himself up, he was messing everybody else up. I trained all these people to go next, and my whole team is gone. So that's as a pastor, man. I mean, if you ever have everybody leave you, the Lord knows what it's like. Everybody's gone. You're, you're all the ones that are supposed to go, and you're all out fishing. But he came. And so told him what to do, throw the, throw the net out on the right side of the boat. Notice now he's very specific with him. He gave him really specific direction, not on the front of the boat, not on the back of the boat, not on the left-hand side, but on the right. He did. They got a lot of fish. And now Peter's like embarrassed since they come up and they get a fish. And so, you know, lots of things going on. Now, some of you may have heard this, but there was a number of years ago. I had never seen this in the word of God. Sometimes it's really important to go back to the original language to see, the, see what's really going on. And so I want you to see restoration. And I want you to see how God comes down on our level to meet with us. To get us where, now he always wants to pull us up, but he's willing to come down. Not change who he is, not change his word, not say that's a sin, not, you know, that's a, a sin, but we say, ah, that's not a sin, God loves you anyway. He loves you anyway, but he doesn't like that sin. He's not changing, any, he's not changing anything. But he came to Peter, and so Peter's all messed up, and Jesus is God. And remember the, the context is John chapter 21, starts at verse 15. He says, uh, Jesus said this. He said, Peter, do you agape me? What is agape? It's the God kind and quality of love. It's the highest kind of love. And then Peter answered back, Lord, you know that I phileo you. What is that? That's Philadelphia. That's brother. You know we're brothers. You know that's my level of love for you. Basically, wh why are you asking me that? You know where I'm at. 
And he said to him, and I love it, sometimes I've noticed when you think you're the most messed up, the Lord will point to your future, even when you don't deserve him to point to your future. Even when you think he ought to beat the crud out of you, he wants to tell you something good about you. Because he's just God. He said, what? Go feed my sheep. Go feed them. Peter has no intention. I'm talking about restoration. How the Lord restores people. There are people in this area that have things to do for God. That are lying dormant because of sin. Because of divorce. Because of this mishap. Because of that mishap. Because they went to a church and, and this happened and that happened. And blah, 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 blah. But restoration will fix it all. Somebody to love them like Jesus loves them. Somebody to help them like Jesus wants to help them. Like he helped you and like he wants to continue to help you. I don't know. I'm looking out about this bunch and you look about the same as my bunch. Um, There's no perfect ones among us here. You know what I'm saying? And we're all still growing. But the Lord wants to help us even when we mess up. Even if you sin. But so then the second time he said, Jesus said to Peter, do you agape me? And what did Peter say? Lord, I think with a tone, you know where I'm at. And I brotherly love you. Agape up here, brotherly love. Most people, if you don't know that, they think, well, if I was God, I'd just slap him down. Now get, get your act together right now. He said to him, go feed my lambs. Right? Third time. Peter, Jesus said, do you phileo me? Do you love me with brother? And he said, Lord, you know that's where I'm at. The Lord brought it down. Now, if you let that sink in, the Lord, he didn't change, God didn't change who he was. He wanted him to agape him. And I don't know what happened from that day to the day of Pentecost, but something happened. But that, that interaction that they had, that interaction that they had, changed Peter's life, changed Peter. Jesus was not willing to do without him. He was scheduled to preach the first Pentecostal service. He was scheduled to be the first keynote guest speaker uh, at at the church. Hallelujah. And he was going to keep his appointment. The Lord positioned him. He repositioned him to get him back to where he was. What's that called? Restoration. Peter was not thinking he was a candidate. Come on. He denied Jesus. I don't know him. I don't know him. Come on. If someone you went to church with, uh let's make this plain. Somebody you went to church with all the years and suddenly they said to you, I don't know him. I've never met him. I don't know him. We would be like, "Ooh, you're going to hell quick. Now, there is a point I believe someone can do get, get that. But the Lord, what is he doing? He's going to chase him down. He's going to show him his love. He's after, why? That's his child. Come on. Have you ever wanted to grab your child by the ear and never mind? Sure. I'm telling you, restoration is so awesome. So beautiful. And when the Lord uses you 
to help see someone restored, it's very awesome, very cool, interesting to watch. So that's what he did. He restored him. And so in that restoration from that time, then Peter was gotten to a place where they were at all in unity in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And the tongues of fire sat on each and every one of them. And Peter got filled with the Holy Ghost. And then he looked around and he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Suddenly he's walking in wisdom and revelation and he understands what's going on. And God uses him to be the orator that not only tells his 120 what's going on, but he's able to get up in front of all those people that they heard them praising and singing and talking in tongues in their own language. And they got up and they people were making fun of him. He's like, these people aren't drunk like you suppose. See, and it's about the you know, ninth, third hour of the day. It, it, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he went on to explain what was going on. What was that? That's restoration. That's restoration. That's restoration. God restores people. And he wants to use you to restore people as well. Amen. Everybody say, God, God. use me use to restore someone. But I'm telling you, if you're in this room and you don't feel like you're totally restored, like you messed up or you'll never get back to the place where, where you know, you need to be. God is a restorer. God is a restorer. Hallelujah. There, there's nothing the devil can't do. The Lord can't bring you out of. Hallelujah. I used to tell my associates, Belinda and Robert, when they were young. I don't know. I think the Holy Ghost inspired me after I told them I, didn't, I wish I wouldn't have. But, uh, but I said to them, there's nothing you can do because they were afraid. There's, I said to them, there's nothing you can't, if you do something wrong, I can fix it. I said it with great boldness and confidence. And I turned around and go, oh, Jesus, help me. Um, but I told them that. And then I've been telling my leaders the same thing. You've got to be so strong and confident in the Holy Ghost. Now, we don't want people going around just messing things up. I felt like a time there, Robert would just tear something down if he wanted something new. And uh, he's all the time <laughs> making accidents and stuff. And anyway, uh, but, but, um, uh, but my point is this. You've got to know that God can restore and does restore and will restore and has restored. And he's in, that's what he does. He's restoring you. And he wants to use you. We'll get to some of that scripture in a minute. But let's talk about what does it look like? Well, how about... Ziglag. Y'all remember Ziglag? What was Ziglag? David and his army was out and kind of had a bad go of things. And they came back and um, found out that everybody was gone. And then remember David? Remember the giant killer? Y'all remember David the giant killer? How many of they all loved him? They went to the cave of Dulem and they thought he was the greatest thing ever. They followed him. Who, who doesn't want to follow a giant killer? So they went to the cave of Adullam. They were all disquieted, discontent. They were in debt. And, and he turned them into mighty men, right? And, 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 and then suddenly, after Ziklag, if you look at this in 1 Samuel chapter 30, it says, uh, they all thought of stoning him. In other words, we love you, we love you. Uh-oh, everybody's gone. They all got, grabbed a stone, ready to kill him. People can turn on you in a minute. I get it. People can turn on you in a minute. But God is restorer. And he didn't let anything they did. I love David. He wasn't perfect. But uh, I'll tell you what, he knew how to get some answers from God. So he's like, let's go pray. Let's go pray. Let's hear from God. How do you restore? How do you get things restored? You got to hear from God. You got to get a strategy. You got to get your strategy for the thing that God wants you, wants to restore you. And what did he do? What did he do? He said, the Lord spoke to him. He said, told him to go, overtake. 
and recover all. Go after them. You're going to overtake them and you'll recover everything. And that's exactly what he did. That's restoration. That's restoration. God is a restorer. I said God is a restorer. He wants to restore you. Let's look at one more. Um, The prodigal son. Wow. Now there's a picture of restoration. And there's a lot of ikoroboshe pafania in sekepangelaki. And the postele frefetia as a lobancho lokia mangarahang de sevroto as a rabata is machata. So I will begin to send you into the harvest field. And I will begin to send you across those that you would call the prodigals, those that have walked away. And there shall be a restoration process. Many you already know, but many will be new to you. For I've sent them to you and you will divinely cross their path. But I need you to speak a word of restoration. I need you to speak a word that will bring them back unto me. For I desire to change and fix and rearrange some things in their life. And I desire to use you to do it. Amen. If you're not familiar with that, I think most of you are, but tongues and interpretation, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's a manifestation of the Spirit. Aren't you glad that's not done away with? Aren't you glad we should be having that all the time? Hallelujah. And so, so I told you, that's usually how the Lord uses me, and he just kind of interrupts me, and I either have a choice. I either do it, or I lose the anointing. So I chose to do. I chose to do. Hallelujah. All right. So, um, yeah, I used to push it down, and then things would go really flat, and I was like, what happened? <laughs> so I don't push that down no more. I'm a little smarter than that. The prodigal son, that's where we were, right? The prodigal son. So remember, he got his money, went and wasted it on wine, women, and song, and went away and ever got a whole bunch of new friends, and they helped him spend all his money. And then the economy fell apart. You know, gas prices went. Indiana, they're high. Hallelujah. Uh, they, 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 uh, you ought to move to Alabama. That's low. Anyway, so, uh, but, but, you know, it went a mess, and then he had no friends. And then he found himself at a pig farm. Now, I grew up on a pig farm. Um, I started, my cousin Cheryl's here. She lives where um, I one time lived with my mama and papa, and I have a vague memory when I was four and five years going out, now y'all, y'all from here, slopping the hogs. You ever had it slop? What is a slop? It's gross. <laughs> but you know what? I still eat my ribs. Hallelujah. They've been sanctified and set apart. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> we can do whatever you want. I'm a new covenant man with teeth. Hallelujah. And mine's saved and sanctified and set apart. You do whatever you want. Hallelujah. But um, I grew up knowing what pigs eat. Dude was ready to eat pig food. That's nasty. And he came to himself. How are people going to come to their self? You carry an anointing. You carry a restoration anointing. You carry the very presence of God. And your very presence could help them come to themselves. Let alone what you've got to say to them. Let alone you just offering to pray for somebody. You know, I've watched this over the years. Very rarely would someone turn down you saying, can I pray for you? It's just rare in our country. But, we, but pray for them. You know, I know some people like to preach them a sermon when you're praying, but just pray for them. 
Talk to the Father on their behalf. Make it real. Make it sincere. We were at Outback the other day, and, you know, I don't have my skills. You know, this, this is easy for me. One-on-one is a little more challenging, so I'm still sharpening my skills one-on-one. We were at Outback in our town the other day, and there's this young girl, and the Lord kept saying to me, tell her this. I'm like, tell her what? And, um, and I'm like, she don't know me. I don't know her. Um, tell her this. And so, man, I try to keep working the conversation. My wife afterwards, she goes, if I hadn't been there, that would have been a little too much personal stuff, you know, because I was asking her where she lived and did she live alone? alone? That was stupid. (laughs) That was stupid hindsight. But I was just kind of, I'm just like, but I was just trying to make conversation, but I'm just like you. Don't be awkward like me. That's why, um, but this girl didn't seem to mind, thank the Lord, because my wife was there. So she knew I wasn't being creepy. But afterwards, I just talked to her a little bit. I really just got to the point as she was cleaning up our stuff. And I asked her if I could talk to her. And I did. And I said what the Lord told me to say. And, of course, the waterworks came. And the presence of God came on her. Now, I don't know what she did with it. But I do remember what I did with that when it happened to me. I did nothing too for a while. I had an encounter with God before I came back to God. I didn't do anything with it. But it stuck with me. It stuck with me because he's always calling. He's always sending people. There's always divine appointments. So even if that happens to you and you think, man, that was so divine. That was so God. We, you know, I should have seen her the next day at church or whatever. I'm the pastor. You would think she would come, but she didn't come, but she might one day. I've had people come up five, five years later. Remember when we, she's had, five years ago, you gave me this, or you spoke to me, or you prayed for me, and um, I decided to come to church this morning. Five years it took them, but they're there. Hallelujah. I mean, even that, we're on this a minute. I mean, in my own life, I had a divine encounter with God. I think I told you about it last time I was living in Indy, working as an accountant. And I was doing a slow-pitch softball game, and I messed everything up. I'm not going to go into all of it. But I remember sitting in my, my car and saying, God, you're real. I know you're real. And then I heard an audible voice from heaven said, heaven and earth will pass away, but I am eternal life. Scared me. So I called my one friend that I knew. Uh, he's a UPC guy. And I called him, and I said, what should I do? And he said, um, well, you should pray. And you know, I didn't. God spoke to me audibly, and I didn't pray. That was stupid. But God didn't give up. He spoke to me audibly. It was God. It shook the car. It was real. But I didn't do anything with it. Momentarily. Then he sent some people, you know, probably to my complex to have me go to Bible study with him. And I think I scared them because I asked them. I don't know why I asked them. I said, y'all speak in tongues? And they're like, uh-uh. And they walked away. And so I scared them. I didn't speak in tongues either. I just asked them a question. I don't even know why I asked them. To this day, I don't know why I asked them that. I don't speak in tongues back then. I didn't. Then my sister went to a, a, one of those women's meetings back in the day was a glow. She got filled with the Holy Ghost. She called me on the phone. She said, I speak in tongues. I'm like, good for you. 
<laughs> what does that have to do with me? Didn't most of you know the story? She hounded me, hounded me, made me promise to come to her church. So two-hour drive back to Illinois. Um, the Saturday night before, every friend I ever had called, and we went and did stuff. And Sunday morning, I was not really in a position to go to the church service. And then um, she got, came home, and man, she was mad. She's like, you promised me. So you know what I did? This is literally, I remember laying in bed thinking, I'm going to go to make her shut up. And I'm never going again. God had audibly talked to me, sent people to me, did that with my sister, got me to the place where I could get some help. I didn't go, but he didn't quit. Then I went to the service that night to just get her to shut up. That's really the only reason I went. So she would shut up. So she wouldn't ask me again. But then when I got there, she strategically positioned me behind this one lady who sat behind me and not out loud, but prayed for me the entire service in other tongues. And I'm not weird, you know. Well, I'm a little weird. But I remember my head almost feeling like it was going backwards, like something weird going on up in this place. And there was some woman up preaching. You know, women can't preach. And so there's this woman up preaching. She double dog dared me to cross some line. And without thinking about it, I did. And then when I did, the power of God came on me. And for 45 minutes, I shook under the power of God. He had to shake all the right out of me. And he did. And he did. And I'm grateful. God didn't give up on me. He didn't give up on you. And he's not giving up on them. And we're living in a time where we in the church have to be very careful. Who we listen to. I'm talking about preachers. If you listen, go away from a sermon fighting mad at those that are lost. If you're more concerned, I, I, I'm going to tell myself. So I've been telling my church this. I've been saying, you know, we need to get people born again. If you want to change things in this nation, you need to get people born again. And we need to get them filled with the Holy Ghost and discipled. If you want to change these things in this nation. And that's true. But the Lord rebuked me. He said, so you care more about your nation than whether they go to heaven or hell. You want to get them born again so you can be more comfortable. He said, you're so carnal. I thought I was being real spiritual. I really did. I thought I was helping my church and being real spiritual. Because if we, it is a byproduct. It will get people, our nation needs to get, I mean, we need help. But it's not even getting them born again so that we can have what we want when we want it. It's about their eternal destiny. Yeah, it shook me to the core because I thought I was really doing good. I was very proud of myself. See that? I was proud of myself. And he just grabbed a hold of me. I really thought I was doing really better than most. But he wasn't having it. And be careful who you listen to. The gospel doesn't make you mad at the harvest. Before, before you and I, 
They have fallen natures, sinners sin. There's no cure for that except the new birth. But God wants to not just, he wants to restore them. He wants to love on them. He wants them in the family. I mean, he did it with me. And I'm so grateful. I look back over it. This is many, many years ago. And I'm so grateful that God restored me. Just like the prodigal son of old. I was born again. I had a real born again experience when I was 12. Got baptized in a march in a pond with a skim of ice over the top of it. Yeah, with stammering lips. and another, But <laughs> here in Illinois, there was, a, there was a thin thing of ice on it. I remember it well. It was cold. Now, the evangelist that was in there, man, he said, there was a lot of us. That was quite an experience. Mud between your toes. Ice in your hair. I baptize you in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Jesus' name. Let's get up on out of here. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, but... Uh, my life was changed. I was sincerely born again. Then I began to backslide at the age of 16. Then I went to school to Indiana State. Got into some comparative religion classes. Got in some professors. And I really began to believe there are many ways to God. Sincerely believe it. I became so... I don't want to use that word. That's a political word. My thought process got really messed up. God had to restore me, and he did, and he did, and he did, and he wants to do that. There is nothing that is more satisfying than to watch someone be restored. And as a pastor, there's nothing more satisfying to watch someone grow up in the word of God. It takes a little while longer, but to watch somebody grow up. So what happened to the prodigal son? He came to himself. What did he do? He came to himself, and then he decided, I'm going to go home to daddy's house. I'm going to be a servant. He's coming with what he thinks is humility. I'm just going to be a servant because I know my dad feeds his servant. I don't have to, I'm not eating this pig food. I'm going home. And then I love it. You know, the father there is the account of the father. The father was looking for him, and he saw him afar off. He was expecting him to come home. God is expecting for people to come home. I said God is expecting for people to come home. He's looking. He's looking. What Pastor Rhonda said this morning, wouldn't you like to be involved in making the Father's heart happy by, by connecting someone that's away from him back to him, whether they need a new birth or just come back to the Lord? And you know the account, what happened to the prodigal son? With full restoration. What he, come on, what did he say? He's like, he go, go get him a good rope. Let's clean him up. Let's spray him down. But let's put a robe on him. The ring, you know the ring. It's, it's not just a, a not a, not just an ordinary ring. It was a signet ring, meaning he could sign again for the father. In other words, we're giving you back every control you ever lost. And he said, "Let's throw a party." Now, I don't want anybody here, but I I, I wonder sometimes right now in the body of Christ if we they don't aren't going to have the other brother syndrome because who they was once mad at are now going to get born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, loving God, and God's going to throw a party, and they're going to be like, well, what about me? And what did the Father say? You've, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. And they both got their inheritance. But the Father said, everything I have is yours. All you had to do was ask. 
I'm telling you, I believe more than ever before there is coming a great <laughs> celebration because I believe the lost, the backslidden are coming back. God is restoring and he wants to use you. I have a question as we wind down here. Do I got any spiritual people in this room? Are you spiritual? Sure you are. Are you born again? You're spiritual. Wow, I'm trying. Quit. Just be. I'm trying. Quit. Just be. Because you are. Galatians 6.1. If there be any spiritual, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. that's you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, he's talking to you. What are you supposed to be doing, you spiritual? What is one of the results of spirituality? Real spiritual people restore people. Real spiritual people restore people. God's real spiritual. <laughs> Jesus is real spiritual. I'm real spiritual. You're real spiritual. What are we supposed to be doing? The sign of a, one of one of the main one of the sign of a spiritual person is the ministry of restoration. So if we're really going to be a spiritual church, then we're restoring people. We're restoring the way God restores. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering your own self, lest you also be tempted. So we're not, you know, when we, when we do it, we do it with meekness. We do it with humility, understanding that the same devil would like to get on, off on us. But you know this then too. Um, um, did you all know you're in the ministry, right? You may not be an apostle. You may not be a prophet. You may not be an evangelist, pastor, or teacher. And if you're not one of them, you don't want to be one of them. Don't try to be one of them if you ain't one of them. It's hard enough to be one of them if he is one of them. But you sure don't want to be one of them if you're not one of them. Just be you and be the best you that you can be. But, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we talked about, you know, we're new creatures. But he said, he, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I believe it was verse 18. He said that, can you put that up for me? 2 Corinthians 5, 18. He said, he's given unto you the ministry of reconciliation. Everybody say, I am, I am. A, minister a minister of reconciliation. reconciliation. What does that mean? That means I'm going to find people like the prodigal son. I'm going to find people like me back when I was in my early 20s. I'm going to find people like you whenever you were. We're going to find people. The Lord is going to divinely, because he said, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he send laborers into the harvest field. You are laborers in this region, and God wants you to have divine appointments where you're restoring people. And you know what? It's addictive. It's addictive to watch people get restored. It's fun to see someone's life change. But he's given unto you the ministry of what? Reconciliation. What is that? Reconciliation is the same as restoring. You reconcile. You put it back to the original way. You reconcile father to that person. You reconcile them back together. And he's given you a word of reconciliation. Verse 19 says. Everybody say, I have, I have a, word a word of reconciliation. reconciliation. Amen. 